How how have you heard anything new? No, man, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to okay. get any information. Um, the detective center said it couldn't give us no information because of HIPAA, and so just trying, waiting here for this attorney carefully to figure out what's going on. Okay. Well, let Amen. not your heart be troubled. You have Amen. you have petitioned your prayer request up to the Lord, and He answered. He's a kind Amen. and loving God. So, yes, so you just hold on to your faith and don't let Amen. nothing move you out of your faith zone. I know you weren't speaking to me, Lisa, but I heard that from the Lord, so I had to share it, yes. okay? I know no, you weren't no, speaking to me. I appreciate you. I appreciate, yes, okay. I appreciate you because every, you know, every kind word, a thought, a words of encouragement really helps me. You know, I'm just... Thank God. You know, my, my stomach is my nerves are always the first thing to go on my stomach, so I'm kind of dealing with that. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, bring healing to her body. Bring total healing to her body in every area, mind, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Don't think that he's doing anything, Lisa. That's why he's working behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Amen. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. have the devil to make you keep worrying and worrying for nothing. I have been there. Yeah. I have been there. Yeah. Hallelujah. Have you worried? We all And yeah. don't know where to stand or sit. And Hallelujah. God is working things out. Then you'd be so thankful when it comes up. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I have yes. been there. Because I had a son in prison also. I have been there, so I know what you all are going through. Only thing said had mine and sit. I think had have yours. You all on. Mhm. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Sue. Yeah, because I'm not a stranger to your children giving you problems. I'm not a stranger to that. Hallelujah. I think all of us are not strangers to that. And one time or another, our children have done things that we didn't like, but there was nothing we could do because we weren't there with them. Amen. There are are four strong mothers on here that have been through and walked that path. We're walking that path with you. We're we're on it, and we understand everything that you're going through. And it's no happenstance that the Lord put us all together. No happenstance. We've got, you know, we've got mothers whose children have been incarcerated. We've got a lady on here who has worked for the juvenile justice system. Ain't no happenstance that the Lord. or that's right. for the foundation of the earth. That's oh, right. Yeah. And I thank them this morning. I am so grateful for the support yes. to yes. on this line. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And I'm thank grateful you, for God giving Cheryl the vision to walk with yes. us. To walk yes. With yes. Us. Yes. Oh, yes. It's a lonely path. It's a lonely path for a mother. Hallelujah. It's a lonely path. And if Cheryl... God gave you that vision to, to put us together. And it's just oh, so encouraging. It's just so, yeah. 
complications there and just trusting God that yeah, trust him. you know he's going to touch and heal yeah, Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. Amen 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 And I know this is a little thing but I'm so glad that um, the Lord has blessed us that I have tissue over here you know, so so many for the last few years going oh. in and out of the prisons and praying. We had to have toilet paper. I mean, this is little to some of you, but it is so wonderful because you know I'm crying right now, and yeah. to be able to just get that that tissue and hoping that 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 um, I know Carlette is crying and I know Brenda is dripping hers. So you know, it's just it's just so wonderful. So. Y'all just little things make me so happy. Little things. Right. And, and That's Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We also know just how much we can bear. 
What you going through, Lisa? I, I've been through four different times. Can you imagine? Mm. Four mm. different times. Each time mm. I'm thinking this is the last time, but I went through that four different times. Four is the number of grace. And I thank mm-hmm. God for those four different times. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you So the same way he pulled us out, Lisa, yes. brought out kids home, kept them safe all their many years in there, mm-hmm. all those many years, he's going to do the Lord. same thing for you. Yeah. He's going to keep your boy safe. That bullet in him is not going to be, you know, we declare and decree right now that that bullet is not going to travel or cause no more injury that it already has. And by the grace of God, your son is healed. Hallelujah, And he's going to stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we're going to cry with you, honey. We're going to cry with you. Thank you, Lord. Yes. 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 We are here to help you catch that Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Our Lord is so good, Lord. Oh, God, you did it for us, Lord. We know you're going to do it for Lisa, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 This morning, I mean, the people have been asking me, what is this morning service about? Is this a church? You know, and I I tell them, you know, what is the name of this? So it's been something that they've been, you know, pounding. Um, You know, what is this, right? And so I I actually told them it's called the Be Encouraged Network. Uh Be Encouraged. That's all it is. This is not this. this. Yeah, be encouraged. Each other, like today morning, Miss Lisa needed some encouragement, and everybody jumped in. You know, and just like encouraged her. This this is not a museum. This is a hospital. Amen, Lord. You know, we don't need to have pews. We don't need to have pulpits. We need to have God present. Yeah. That's yeah. the church. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. 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 You know, the heart being mended, you know, the diseases and the sickness is being gone. And, uh, you know, the life restored. There is somebody that we can cry with. That's the network. Yes. 
Yes, we, yes. That, that we don't need to fancy ourselves with dresses. We Amen. need to clothe ourselves with his righteousness. Yes. And we need to have yes, his presence be our clothing. And that's yes. what this is about. Yes, hallelujah. Yes, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is not a day that goes by where we don't have that comfort, that that oneness mm-hmm. in spirit. That if that's what the early church had, that the oneness in spirit, they can come together, they can share what they have in their heart, and they were being blessed. They were healed. They were restored. When William Seymour started this movement in the early 1900s, that's what birthed Pentecostal movement, because the people were together and praying and encouraging each other. Yes, yes. yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is that a testimony this morning? Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come before your throne of grace this morning one more time. Lord God. As we go into your word, Father God, let your word become real for us today. As we, Father God, just like a lift up all of our hearts, Father God, the Bible says, cast your burdens. Father God, this morning we want to cast our burdens unto your feet. Father God, we want to, Father God, to look up to the heavens. Look up yes. to the mountains, where our help comes from, Father God. Father God, the help comes from you. You are the El Shaddai. You are, Father God, the Elohim. You are, Father God, the Adonai. Father God, you are the Abba. Father God, we call upon your name this morning. Where our help comes from. God, the word says the, the righteous run to it and are safe. Father God, the name of the Lord is a strong power, and the righteous run to it and are safe. God, we pray this morning, let your righteousness overflow into each and every one of us, wherever we are, Father God. The Bible says your kingdom's righteousness flows through our body. God, let your righteousness flow through us today morning as we listen to your voice, Father God. Let your word come out, Father God, with clarity through our mouth, Father God. Let your name be glorified in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Father God. Father God, when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Father God, if there is uh, any burden in the heart, Father God, you are the one who can lighten us. Father God, you are the one who can clothe us with your Father God, righteousness Thank this morning. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters yes. on this line. Father God, including me. Father God, we wanted to be a vessel worthy yes. of your harmony. Oh, Clean as Lord. 
from inside out. Father, if there is anything in our area, anything in our life that is not pleasing before you, Father, this morning, we are asking you to cleanse us, Father God, with the heat chopper. Father God, we want to be white as snow this morning. Hallelujah. God, we want to be white as snow, Father God, this morning. Please read the word to the morning one more time. Let our minds be cleansed. Let our heart be cleansed. Let our body be cleansed, Father God, from uncleanness. Father God, clean us today with your hisap. Oh, yes, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. God, come and just like a speak to us. God, the Bible says that when two of you on earth, Father God, Father God, talk to each other. Those who fear the Lord, talk to each other. The Father in heaven listens and hears their conversation. God, we invite you this morning to come and listen to this conversation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Prepare our hearts this morning, Father God, to receive your word. Prepare our hearts, Father God. We're ready to listen to you, Father. Use the time, Father God. For your glory and your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It is really nice to have every one of us on the last Sunday of June. I cannot even believe we have like a whole six months has gone by this year. It looks like we just had our our Christmas and the New Year uh, service, and then we thought that we just had the this uh, sunrise service on Easter. Now it's already June is getting over. I cannot believe that. But as we are going through the name of the Lord, because it's like a how you know the 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 Bible says the righteous run to it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. This morning, my prayer is that. That as we go through this word, let the word sink in. Let the word soak us in like a sponge. God, you know, soak these words into our life. We have seen so far about Elohim. The Elohim is the very first name that we saw because it was in the very first chapter of the Genesis where when God created everything from nothing, the word says he is a creator God. He is an Elohim. There is nothing that he needs before. He doesn't need a pattern. He doesn't need a, a, a design. He doesn't need a marketing and strategy to build something. He, when he starts to act, then the law of gravity has no effect. He is a creator God. We saw him as Elohim. And then we looked at the word Adonai because in those days, People were really scared of even calling the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord, Yahweh, 
was so powerful that people were scared even to call his name because they knew when his name is called, there is an authority established in, in that dominion, in that trajectory. Something's going to happen because the word has an effect on the circumstance and the situation that we are in. And so they were so scared of using the word Yahweh, Jehovah, right? And, and so people started to use the word Adonai, called him as a master, like a slave and a master relationship. We saw during that week how in the Bible there is a difference between how the word Lord, L-O-R-D, is referred. In some cases, it is all uppercase, which refers to Yahweh. And so they introduced the Adonai, which is the capital L, lowercase O-R-D, which means like, you know, they, they just wanted to, you know, use this word Adonai so that they can reach out to God. God actually was very scared when, when people used the word Adonai. When Abraham used the word Adonai, God was just like, a, oh my God, I don't know what else he's going to ask next because he wants to give. He would roll over on the floor with the happiness when he sees him as a master. Then we saw uh, the word El Shaddai. He's an all-sufficient God. When, when uh, God came to speak to Abraham, Abraham had made three major mistakes in his life. He went from uh, the, the, the promised land into Egypt when the problem of famine came. And then he just called his wife a sister. Right? And, and then he just like a lip his servant made to be his wife, to, to, to just like a better child to have. God was saying, when did you come to the realization that you are El Shaddai? God was asking like, when did this transfer of control happen? I am still the almighty El Shaddai God. I am the all-sufficient God. I can take care of your famine. I can take care of the situation that you're in. I can take care of your household. You don't need to be the El Shaddai of your life. I am the El Shaddai. Then last week, we saw him as an Abba father. He's our source. He's our sustainer. He's our defender. When we call upon him as a father, just like how a natural son or daughter calls their father for their help, he would just like run over. If only a, a human, a carnal like a you and me would run towards our children, how much more will the heavenly father be running towards their children? In that line, Today, we're going to see God in another form, another attribute. It says El Roi. That's what we're going to be seeing today. El Roi. What is it? Let's go to Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. This is one area. This is one, top, one title, one name that God had was referred to just one time in the Bible. And I was saying like a God... Will there be enough content to preach on? But by the time it was over, I just realized 
how much more that is needed today. By the time we finish today, you will know why God chose this name on this day. Because it has everything to do with, you know, from the beginning when Miss Lisa started to talk about her situation, this day I just for the first time realized how apt is this title that we are meditating on this morning. So let's go into this word, Genesis chapter 16. I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we will go into the place where we wanted to linger around today. So it starts like this. Now, Sarai, this is before she became Sarah. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no child. This is the problem statement. The problem statement of this chapter is that Abraham's wife, Sarah, doesn't have a child. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord, the Jehovah, that's why it's all uppercase, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family to, through her. So here is Sarah trying to figure out how to help God because she thinks that God cannot open her womb and just like a place, a seed inside her womb. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. This is Hagar. When she knew she was conceived, she began to despise her mistress. And then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. She treats me bad. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. I'm going to read the rest portion of the next five verses as we go through um, this morning. But let's go back into this word and see what God is talking about. In this one, I, I actually have to show like one place before. Let's go to the verse 13. She says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God 
who sees me. You are an Elroy. You are the Elroy who sees me. That's what she's saying. She gave God a name. Elroy means the God who sees. I love the kindness and care that this name actually you know, holds or points to one of the major characteristics of God. It, the, the, the woman was in pain and she's giving God, this is a slave that gives God a name. Elroy, E-L means like a God. Uh, we see the L everywhere. Uh, we see El Shaddai, El Yon. We will, uh, uh, we will see that name later. Uh, uh, you know, all these L means, E-L means God. And here she says, a God who sees me. Why is this important for this morning? I'm going to talk about three things today, why this is important for us. The number one thing, what she's saying is that my God sees me, meaning the God of this universe is, is just not the God of the impossible, but he's also the God of the invisible. When God sees an invisible, then the invisible becomes visible. You might say, what do you mean? Let's go back to this story, right, for a second. Hagar was a servant maid. The Bible doesn't say how Hagar became part of their story, became part of Abraham or Sarah's story. Probably, because it says she's an Egyptian woman, it is very likely that she was bought over as a slave from Egypt. More importantly, she became part of this story because her mistress, her owner, was barren. She never wrote a big book in the Bible. In fact, there is like a very few times in the Bible the name Hagar comes. She wasn't a rich woman. In fact, when we read the verse earlier, we don't even have any indication that Sarah even asked her if she can be a surrogate mom, right? She said, like, go, have this woman as a wife. That's how she treated it. But let's read the word in, in verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Here is a slave woman who didn't have a chance to say even one thing. She, in those days, was considered like an invisible. It was like God is the only one who was actually found her. The Bible says, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water. And what was so beautiful about this is this. Until this point in the story, in this chapter, we don't even see her own masters call her by name. Right? When we read everywhere before this, we see Sarai 
and Abraham referred to her as, take my maid. You are a maid. You deal with your maid. It was like their masters had no reference by calling her even by name. So here's the first application that I want to talk about this morning. You and I are not invisible for God. Have you ever felt that you are nobody, especially in the kingdom? This morning, God is reminding us we are somebody in the kingdom. When we see there's 8 billion people on this earth, we may even have a doubt whether God knows my name, whether God knows where I live, whether God knows what my situation is. God is here to remind you he sees you. He sees me. He is a God who sees. He is an Elroi. A couple of weeks ago, we read about Gideon. And Gideon was the lowest in his tribe. Gideon's tribe was the least. And the Gideon was the last in his family. But still, he was visible to God. David was the last son. But the prophet waited for him to come home. Because he is El Roy. He sees everything. What happens yesterday, what happens today, and what happens tomorrow. Daniel was a slave picked from Israel. But because God saw him, he made him important position in Babylon. Joseph was thrown into pit, sold as a slave. But because God saw him, he was lifted up to the place of honor. This, this whole list in the entire Bible, it goes on and on to see how many times that we see in the Bible that God lifts up people like a Shamgar to a position. We see Mephibosheth lift up to the king's table. We see so many of these instances where the people thought they were nobody, but God saw them as somebody. It's not only about the major characters. The Bible never records only about the major characters. The Bible also records about the minor characters. You and I, being a father or a husband, God has placed us on this earth for a purpose. God has a plan as a wife or a sister or a husband or a, or a, a, a mom. You and I have a purpose and we are visible to the Father in heaven because he is El Roi and he sees each and every one of us. What we are talking about here is this. When, when, a, when a shepherd has like a hundreds of sheep, the people who see from the distance for them there are a hundred sheep in his flock. But to the shepherd, every one of these sheep that is in his flock, he names them. He knows them by name. That's how God sees you and me. God never bypasses when we are invisible. In fact, one of the applications of this name, El Roy, is that 
We need to learn this characteristic from God to recognize the invisible in our own life. Sometimes we think that, that, that the person that we are meeting on the grocery store, the people that we see on the street, we don't even pay attention to. One time I heard this story from Joyce Myers. She was talking about a concert, a Christian concert that she went to. And it was a completely packed, a fully packed stadium. And so the people were standing outside in a line to get into the stadium. These are hardcore Christians that were waiting on the line to walk into that room to listen to a Christian band playing, playing that day. And she said, while we were all waiting in the line, there was a teenage girl walking by and asking for help. She was, she was begging for help, in fact. But Joyce Meyer said, no one was paying attention to her. In fact, she said, what broke her heart is that people, when, she, when they saw this 18-year-old girl come nearby, they were turning their face the other side as if they were not looking at her. The one thing that hurts the homeless people is not that we are giving money to them, but when we pass by as if they are invisible. There is a story in the Bible where Jacob goes to his uncle's house, Laban's house, and he says, you know, he wants to get married to his uncle's daughter, Rachel. And Laban is a business guy. And Laban says to, uh, you know, Jacob, why don't you work for six months and I'll give you Rachel. Okay. So he starts to work for six months. And after that, in six years, uh, or, or some large number. Right? So he worked there. And then he goes to his uncle and he gets married. And the night when he went into bed, he didn't realize the woman that he was sleeping with is not Rachel. It was Leah. And in the morning, when he wakes up, he realizes that this wasn't Rachel. I cannot even imagine how did this happen. But here's the thing. To him, she was invisible that night. How many times we do the same thing to the people around us? Sometimes we do that to our husband or wife. Sometimes we do that to our children. Don't, we don't need to think outside our home, but inside our own mom or dad. And they want, it's just like a one call per week. We just like, you know, ignore that. Because we feel they're invisible. There are other things that are more visible for us. We tend to walk away from this. But God says, even when things are not comfortable, don't look the other way. Sometimes we see on the streets people begging for money or asking for something, sometimes even food. Here's the thing. God will never look away from you and me 
if that is the God we serve, if that is the El Roy that we serve, how much more we should reflect on the name of this father. When 9-11 happened, people called the policemen and firemen as first responders. We still honor them, right? But when the pandemic began last year, you know, few other names got added to the first responders, the ones that we never paid attention to the past. The woman or a man in a grocery store is now a first responder. The mailman, the doctors and nurses, all of a sudden, the people that were invisible has become visible in our eyes. People are starting to thank them. The reason why it is so important this morning is this. I do not know what your situation is this morning and what you are going through this morning. But God is here to encourage you. Whatever may be the case, you are precious in my sight. You are visible to me. I have, in fact, tattooed your face in the palm of my hands. You are the apple of my eyes. How can I not see what you're going through? God will never ignore his son or a daughter. It is because of the children of Israel that cried out in the wilderness. He split the restry. It is because of Daniel that was obedient to Father. Even in the lion's den, God never let the lion go wild because he sees Daniel. He saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in their tough times. He saw David in his tough times, and he pulled him through that. We see constantly all the people that Jesus ministered to, the widow's woman that was dead. He saw her. He never bypassed when the situation is wrong. In fact, First Chronicle chapter 28, 9 says, here is God speaking to Solomon, and he says, Solomon, my son. God is just like I'm making it very clear to him, because you're my son. Learn to know that, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thoughts. If you seek him, you will find him. If you forsake him, he will reject you forever. God is telling Solomon, Solomon, my son, I see every detail in your life. Not only that, in Psalm 33, it says, the psalmist, David is saying, the Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their work. Isn't that amazing? Even right now, God is sitting, not doing nothing, 
from heaven, his eyes are going back and forth. Proverbs 5.21 says, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. I really like the next one from Second Chronicles chapter 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Isn't that amazing? There is another version that says, His eyes are going back and forth across this earth to see those who are fully committed to him. Why? Because he wants to strengthen their hearts. All he needs is people to say, I am loyal to you. And God says, I will strengthen your heart. Psalm 121 Verse 3, 5 and 8 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by the night. The Lord will keep you from all harm He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Look at these verses. When I send the notes, I will put these verses for you because these verses were strengthening my heart, knowing that I am visible to my Father. He sees me. The second point that I want to make is this. The first one is a God who sees everything. He's not just the God of the impossible. He's the God of the invisible. She was just a slave. He could have left her there. But no. Look at the second one. The, the, the God who is not only is the God of the invisible, but he also cares about the details of your life. And that's why when, when, we, read the, when we read the verse 13 this morning, it says, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roi, the God who sees, for she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Beautiful. Sometimes when we think about God, when we, when we equate some of these words that come in the Bible, we actually equate it to the human mindset, meaning like how we see. When, when we read the verse that says that God sees or El Roi, we think like a how we see somebody. If, if I'm in a room with all of you right now, you can see me and I can see you, and we think like a, this is how God sees you and me. But no. When God sees you and me, it's slightly different. When he sees you and me, he also at the very same time He sees our yesterday, and he sees our today, and he will see our tomorrow at the same time. 
for God, the way he sees the time is relative in God's eyes. He can see everything in one shot. It's almost like a, he can fast forward your life or he can rewind your life and see the whole picture. It's already recorded for him. Not only that, when God sees us, then he sees where we are and where we are headed. He can see all the path, all the combination of like roads that we can take and the exact road that we take. He knows. Let's read this verse one more time. The verse 7 and 8 in this chapter that we are traveling through this morning. The Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by spring on the way to Shur. Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Here, it is very simple. The Bible says in verse 8, right, after God, the angel of the Lord, find her, he calls her by name, Hagar. God knows. Until this point, even her own master, Sarai or Abram, never called her by name. God calls her by name. Right? But then, if he knows my yesterday, if he knows my today, and he knows my tomorrow, why is God asking Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? If God is a God who's an omnipotent God, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God, if he has all the power to see my yesterday, today, and tomorrow, if he already knows my decisioning, why would God ask Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? And I see this pattern almost everywhere. Even when, like when we read about Jesus after his resurrection, he comes to Peter three times. He's asking, the, asking him, do you love me? What kind of question is this? God already knows Peter's heart. Before healing those two blind men, Jesus asked them, do you believe I can do this? God already knows he can heal his eyes. His blindness can be removed. Why is God asking, do you believe I can do this? Because he wants to know whether they believe he is the son of the living God. He wants to know whether they know that he has a divine power to heal. Think about it. Another one that just came to my mind. Prodigal son. Before he goes to that pig's food, if someone has asked him, where are, you, where are you coming from? And where are you going? Then he wouldn't have eaten that pig's food. Let's break it even further down. We go to the mall, right? Sometimes we go to a new mall. And we go to the new mall and we want to find the Apple store. Right? Or we want to find the JCPenney, or we want to find a certain store in the mall. And if that mall is the first time, for some of us, 
The mall that we go to is very familiar, and we go directly to that place. But if you're going to a mall where you have no idea where all the stores are, then we go look for the map that is on the board, right? And, and so before we find the store, we, we just keep looking for the name in the directory. We find out in which block that store is, right? But after we find what store we are going into, the most critical information on that map is not the store that we are going to. It is the red dot that says, you are here. We need to know where we are first before we go to where we are trying to go. We cannot go where we want to go unless we know where we are. God knows Hagar, and God knows where she came from, but he wants to find out if Hagar knows where she came from. Before we ask God for the direction for the doors that are locked, that are closed, the first question that we need to ask God is, God, because this is what he's going to ask, do you know where you came from and do you know where you're headed? That's the question he's going to ask. So the better question for us to ask God is, God, do we have the, the place that we are going? We need to know. We need to have an answer for this question. Before God asks that question to us, we have to write down this question on a notebook that says, when we go to God with trouble, he's going to ask, do you know where you came from? And do you know where you're headed. Oftentimes, we don't know the answer to this question because of all the blind spots and the doors that are being closed. And God this morning is reminding us that he is into the details and he wants to know whether you know the answer to this question. He is not only the God of the invisible, but he's also the God of the solution. That's why the third point that I want to talk about is this. He's not only the God who sees, but he's also the God who sees and he works. He's more than capable of taking care of your situation. Let's read this verse. 11 and 12. It says, And the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, Behold, you are with a child. You shall bear a son. Think about it for a second, this verse. There was absolutely no ultrasound. There was nothing available in that time. And before this verse, we don't even see Hagar telling the angel of the Lord that she's pregnant. Angel of the Lord already knows she's not only pregnant, but she's also bearing a son, a boy. Right? And then the Bible says, you shall call his name Ishmael. In fact, I always thought it was Abraham who named Ishmael or Hagar who named Ishmael. No, it was the Lord the angel of the Lord actually gave that name 
to Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. And he explains it in the next verse. It says, because the Lord has heard your affliction, I'm going to give a name for your child. Up until this point, the servant or the maid or the slaves had no authority to keep a name. But for the first time, God gives a name to a slave's son. In Genesis 16:11 that we just read, the New Living Translation says, the angel when also said, you are now pregnant and will give a birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cries of distress. The word heard in, in this context literally means that he has carefully and attentively and intelligently heard what was happening in this moment in time. And one thing that bothered me is that when I read that verse, it sounded like that God was even allowing this woman to have a baby named Ishmael. He could have stopped this baby being born at this time. He had two situations where he could have easily avoided Palestine and Israel issue because one of them, one of the two sons were the, the, the lead or the, 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 the generation of this Arab nation. Another son is a, a lead or the generation of the Jewish nation that they both are still today fighting with each other. God had a perfect opportunity to close this chapter at this time. But then why did God allow Ishmael? Why did he, God, you know, made this thing happen? Because he already knows in the next verse it says that he will, he, he, the, the 12th verse says that he shall be like, be a wild man, like a donkey of a man, says one of the versions. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. God is predicting the future. He's seeing, he saw the past and he's seeing the present, but he also saw the future. He could have stopped this from happening. But then I realized that God is a God of righteousness, and he is not going to tolerate injustice. When injustice happens, even to an unbeliever, he will never let that happen. In this case, he very well know the son that's going to be born out of Hagar is going to be a trouble for the righteous son. He still allowed that to happen because he would, he would never tolerate when even the evil person was treated with the evilness. We can, just because we are Christians, just because we love the Lord, just because the other person's worshiping some other God and, and they're worshiping it, we have no right to treat them with the evilness. We may sometimes inadvertently treat somebody bad in the name of Jesus. 
we may treat a, a drug addict or an, a, a, a person with an alcohol addiction with a bad mindset because they are poor in their choices and we wanted to treat them bad and we just like to push them around. All those people that are prostitutes and the, the dancers, we treat them with, with, with some kind of like a low-levelness. And God says, I will never, ever tolerate the evilness, even if it comes from the righteous people. And that's why he allowed it. In fact, he gives the direction. If we go two verses above, God gives a direction to, to Hagar saying, go back, return. In verse 9, return to your mistress and submit yourself. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for, uh, for multitude. It is not enough that God is a powerful God. He is a God of good news. He has the power, but he also supplies every need that is in front of us. Hagar was nobody until God see her, sees her and put his arms around her. Here's the thing this morning. The revelation that Hagar had was what she was appreciating with God at this moment in verse 13 is this. She first time recognized he is the God of the past. He is the God of the present. He is the God of the future. He can see what happened to me yesterday in my master's house. He can see what is going on today with my stomach. And he also saw what is going to happen to my son. This is a powerful, powerful statement that she is making in the verse 13. He is El Roy. He is a God who sees everything. In fact, we need to make this very personal, just like what Paul writes in Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's not all your needs. It's not in third person. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Every word that we see in the word has to be personalized. A slave girl gives a name, El Roi, because she found her hope in him. God called her by name. She, she saw that God gave dignity to her name. God asked a question about her life because God wants to correct what is broken. And God named her son. And that's why it is so important this morning when we see the word El Roi that comes just one time in the Bible when the slave girl called his name, we also get reminded thousands and thousands and thousands of years later this morning that God sees that I can see the cry of Lisa. I can see the cry 
of Terry. I can see what is going on in the life of Vince. I can see what is happening to Sarah. I can see what Brenda needs to do this morning, packing her stuff. God sees every single thing, and God provides help in every single situation. There is nothing too difficult for him to do to break the cycle for you and me. And that's why Psalmist is saying in Psalm 139, this is a beautiful Psalm. If, if you get a chance to read Psalm 139, I recommend you to read because it says this is a situation where David first time realized that God is actually seeing him from inside out. And that's why he's singing with an abundance of his heart in Psalm 139. He says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become right around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like a day, for the darkness is as light for you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My fame was not hidden from you. When I made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were within your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them where I to count them they they would outnumber the grains of sand where when i wake when i'm awake i'm still with you if only you god would slay the wicked away from you from me you are bloodthirsty they speak of you with the evil intent your adversaries misuse your name i do not hate those who hate you lord and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The whole chapter of 139 is talking about like a David clearly knows that God can see him from inside out. What a comfort that is for you and me today. We have a God who can see everything. He can see every thought, every heart's desire. As we wrap up today, my prayer for you is this. There are times that we feel like we are nobody. We feel like our strength is ripped off of our hands. And we feel like all the direction is lost. We feel like Hagar running away from the master's house because we think the problem that we are facing can be solved by running away from it. But God says, go back to your mistress's house. Go back to your problem. Stay where you are. That's the answer to that question. Where are you going? Why are you running? Go back. I know this is the wrong thing. This is uncomfortable. But God is saying to her, it is Abraham and Sarah's responsibility to take care of you when you are pregnant. When you and I go through this rough time in this earth, God is saying, stay where you are because I am a God who can fix anything. There is no force bigger than his force that can change anything. He is the God who sees, and that's why she's celebrating. Not only I saw that he saw me, but I also know through my eyes, I can see that he is seeing me. That's what she's saying. I can see that he's seeing me. That's the message God is sending to you and me. He's saying, you need to have an assurance. When you're about to do something wrong, you're looking left and you can look at right. You're looking in the front. You're looking in the back. And God says, those are all fine, but look up. Because when you look up, you will see that I'm seeing you. And God says, I am El Roy, the one who sees. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for a message directly from God himself. El Roy, the God who sees. El Roy, the God who sees. My God sees me. Not only is he the God of this universe, but he is the God of the invisible. You and I are not invisible to God. We are somebody in the kingdom. He knows my name. He knows your name. He knows where we live and what we do when we rise up and when we lay down. God lifts up all the people who think they're nobody, but he knows their name, their purpose, and their plans. Even when things are not comfortable for us, 
even when we receive bad news about our family members or about our friends, even when disease comes to our home, he never looks the other way. He will never look the other way, and we should never look the other way. God will never ignore his children. What a comforting thought. He also cares about the details of our lives. He's a God of solutions. He knows every little detail, every hair on our head. When God sees you and me, he also sees the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. How wonderful is that thought beyond our mindset. We have to know first and foremost where we are going to understand where we're going from there. The, the, the analogy of the map and the directory is so important to us because we have to know where we are first before we know where we're going. And Hagar was considered a nobody, but God sees her as a somebody. For the first time, God gives a name to a slave son, Ishmael. Just because, you know, we are Christians, just because we are considered righteous, we have no right to treat anyone who on this earth is considered a nobody. They are a somebody. God sees them as a somebody. And God knows us from the inside out. I close with Psalm 33, as Cyril said earlier, 13 to 15. The Lord looks from heaven. He looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Amen. Sarah? Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children having received you into our hearts and lives, and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup, representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Here's what we're going to do before we take the communion. I want you to put your right hand upon your heart. The thing is, the Bible says, the kingdom's righteousness flow through our hands. We saw today, he's a God of invisible. He's a God who brings the solution. He's a God who can solve your problem and my problem. As we put our hands upon our heart, I do not know what the heaviness of your heart is today. Maybe something that you cannot say in a public setting. Maybe there is a a bill that needs to be paid. Maybe there is a brokenness in the relationship. Maybe you just had an argument with somebody this morning in your home. Or you're scared of tomorrow. What's going to happen to my business? I have no idea what that heaviness is. As you put your hand upon your heart, you are telling your heart that this God, this El Roi, who sees, is also able to solve that problem. We're going to pray for your heart right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we put our hands upon our heart, God, lighten our hearts this morning. Take all the burdens and transition, Father God, right now under the foothills of Calvary. I want to leave it there. Before we go on, take this food. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters because the Bible says, if two of you on earth agree on one thing, a father in heaven will do it for their sake. What God is saying right now is that he sees you, he sees where you are, and he knows what he's going to do to you. And so, before you take the cup and the bread to eat this morning, he wants to transition that burden into his hands right now. Don't hold anything. Whatever maybe that situation is, leave it in his feet because he cares for every burden. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. We're going to transition as we're going to take the bread this morning, just as the, the disciples were sitting down to eat in Matthew chapter 26, it says, Jesus took the bread, and after he, he, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Go ahead and take the bread or the piece of an element that you have in your hand because he has broken every piece of his body for you and me. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sin. Go ahead and drink. The conference has been unmuted. One more time this morning, Father God. Father, you are a God who sees 
and present and future. Yes, Lord. Father, we pray this morning as we come before your throne of grace, God, as we surrendered everything into your hands, we don't want to take even one thing from here. We want to leave them at your feet, Father God. 